This is Thrive Perspectives, an ever-growing discussion about the issues and ideas that shape our lives with your guide, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Connell. It's good to be here, lads. Good to be back. Yeah, first Perspectives in the episode hot seat. in 2024, yeah. I think, isn't it? I think this is Goodness the me. first one in 2024. Anyway, mm. uh, as Matt said in our other podcast, Thrive Deeper, we are now officially in the future. We're, uh, we're in the future. I don't know if you thought, did you think about that? No. We are, we, are, we are in the future right now. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There we so, go. Yeah. Well, you've just Here come back is. from this holiday. Is it. This is what it's like. Yes, Matt has just returned from holiday. and mm. uh, So he's had a lot of time to think about. <laughs> nothing. Much. Concepts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Stop battling on. What are we talking about? Stu? No, no. He's had plenty of time to read more books. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, listeners. Great to have you with us uh, on our Thrive Perspectives uh, podcast as we continue our discussion through the Christian worldview. And mm. if you tuned into our last episode, and, and hopefully you did, we had quite a discussion around how we have conversations about our faith without, in a sense, becoming combative and breaking relationship that makes it really difficult for us to continue to show people that, that the way we believe uh, God would have us live is the, is the way to go and, and that Jesus is, has come to uh, redeem all of mankind. And, and sometimes in our efforts to argue our point, we actually completely disempower our argument really in, in many ways. And so we talked through that, but I think that leads really well into the conversation we want to have today, Matt and Connell, which is around how do we take that a step further? How do we have confidence in the things that we believe to be mm. true that are, in, in a sense, perhaps contradictory or polarized against what the rest of the world or much of the world would, would be saying, or certainly culture and society would be saying today? How do we do that uh, without disempowering the, the conversation that we're trying to have, but also without watering down what we believe yeah. to be true. And mm. uh, I think the importance of us being able to be confident in our convictions, but at the same time having humility in the way we yeah. share those convictions with others. So, yeah, I think, I think, Stu, the best place to start, and again, one of the things we've tried to do consistently uh, in this ongoing conversation is to start from the big worldview perspective. And, uh, and so... When we think about the sorts of conversations we can get drawn into and all the topics, and I know it's great to you know sit around and you have lively conversations with people, but what we've got to remember the context, and the context is which part, which part of the story we're part of and what's happening now, and what is happening is that we're on mission. And so that changes a lot. This is not just a neutral environment where we're arguing over... Um, certain ideals and principles. No, we've actually, there's a mandate where the conversations that we have with people, we need to have conscious of the fact that we are under a mandate to make disciples. Yeah. And that doesn't mean just winning arguments. It means actually helping people to, to have their world opened up to see the bigger perspective, you know, and, and, ultimately to find reconciliation with God through Jesus Christ. That's the, uh, in, in a sense, all conversational roads need to lead to that. That's what we, you know, most of all, what God is doing right now is he's drawing his lost children back to himself and reconciling themselves through Jesus Christ and restoring them to be who mm -hmm. God made them to be. That's And that's what it means to make disciples is to draw people to God so that they can grow and, be, you know, and become disciples. Uh, people who fulfill this this human mandate. So we've just got to remember that. And and that requires, therefore, a lot of wisdom. And I think it's important for us to pray for wisdom and sensitivity in the way that we have conversations. The guiding principle needs to be in love for, for people, uh, but very much guided by the fact that we are on this mission and we do want to lead people uh, into this discipleship journey. Mm -hmm. Now that's that's important because it's not it's not just about me arguing, having theoretical arguments and winning arguments because that that may not move a person one inch. But it's also not when we talk about you know we we need to love people and sometimes that can be a bit of an excuse to let hot button issues and can be completely unchallenging to people you yeah. know oh, i just want to love them and so we just accept them the way that they are and all which is all just kind of true or let's just not talk about yeah or, or let's just not talk about avoid any, these topics. that's right let's yeah. avoid all of these topics yeah. avoid all of these hot button issues um so that they never feel like they're being challenged being challenged mm, yeah. uh, now that's 
that actually is because remember there's a trajectory here we're we're trying to open up uh, a new world a new you know dimension of reality for people a reality of which we are the windows by the way our very selves are the windows this is why why the new testament refers to us as witnesses we are witnesses not just we're not just mm. out there peddling a theory this is the difference. Mm-hmm. We're not just peddling a theory. We are witnesses of a yep. truth, you know. And so this is this harks back to the to the last couple of episodes where we've talked about the fact that we have a first hand encounter yep. to share with this. It's not just second hand. We're just arguing yeah. mm-hmm. theories that we have opinions about. No, we have first hand knowledge, mm-hmm. the most intimate knowledge you can have about anything. Actually, even mm-hmm. more intimate than the my knowledge of the external world is my knowledge of God, because uh, as Paul says in Romans chapter 8, the Spirit himself testifies Mm. to our spirit that we are children of God. There's no more immediate form of knowledge than that. So we're always in a conversation as a witness. And I think that that's the perspective that we need Mm. to, that we need to work off. And, and for me, that means that I'm always personalizing it, that I'm never going out saying, this is what you should do or what you should believe. No, I, I'm sharing my witness mm. that this is what I've discovered mm. and this is how I choose to live. So I'm not saying, you know, uh, I think, Connell, the way that you, if you're, a, you know, someone that's living a life, that's not a Christian living a lifestyle that contradicts what I think is right. And not that that it would ever be the case, of course. I'm but, just trying uh, to think. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I'm not saying, hey, you know what what you're doing is not not you know. Mm. I mean, and and I think I think we need to be prepared to be as confrontational about that. But it's all about the way and the sensitivity, yeah. because that can just end up being a th- theoretical argument. Mm. Uh, and so, for example, in one of the classic hot button issues of, of of our time, which is the issue around sexuality and and you know particularly the LGBTQI plus mm. you know conversation. So that that doesn't end up in a theoretical squabble mm. uh, over what's right and wrong, and I just come across as mean. I'm very careful to say this is, you know, this is what this is what I have discovered uh, about m- myself in the light of God. That I'm absolutely sacred. I'm a child of God, and that means, therefore, that mm. something is sacred. You can't just do whatever you want with it. And so I've to live this life. This is why I draw such a tight circle. So there are things that are natural to me as a as a guy, like. I might be sexually attracted perhaps to other, but but I but I choose to deny that uh because I've devoted myself to my wife yeah. you know yep. and so just because those other desires might be possible for me or even natural for me doesn't mean that oh therefore I should fulfill them that's they're the sort of conversations mm-hmm. that I have with people that personalizes that because I don't experience same sex sex attraction mm-hmm. but I've got plenty of other dysfunctionalities to yeah. share yeah <laughs> you know yeah. Yeah. and and so we and, could and, share some yeah, and yeah. so that that also gets me off a high horse or moral high because I'm sharing the fact oh no I experience all sorts of you know dysfunctional kind of thoughts and desires and but here's where I choose to take that. That's the difference with Christians. We're not inherently better than other people. No, that's right. Really important that we don't come across like that. Uh, but we choose to deal with our dysfunctionality mm. in a certain way. Mm. And so I, by sharing that, you know, I'm sharing a completely different... Mm. I think there's another really good point that, that subtly in there as well when you talked about, you know, the, the sacredness of sexuality. Instead of honing on... on what we would consider to be perhaps the wrong behavior in yeah. sexuality. You've focused on why the right behavior is so important. And I think yeah, that's, that's the right. same when we talk about marriage, for instance, and we, we want to point the finger at those people that are living together or have partners instead of elevating what's so great about marriage. You know, we yeah. need to actually be a witness to why marriage is so good rather than just be pointing at what's wrong with everything else. Exactly. In the world. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so, and I think getting into that because it, you know, uh, as I said, the reason we draw such a tight circle around sexuality is not because it's bad. It's mm. because it's sacred, absolutely yeah. sacred. So having that that positive point of view is a far better way. And and again, personalizing that, you know, this mm. is this is something that I that I I hold this sacred. And so this is so I'm not. So it means that I'm I'm not telling you what to do. Like I'm not telling you what to do mm. uh, because there's a bigger choice to make. It's mm. not just a moral choice. You know, change your moral ways. You know, I'm encouraging people towards repentance, which is not, again, this is the word repentance can be misunderstood as, you know, get your life right and then come to God. No, it's actually, 
do a complete turnaround, come mm. back to God, turn away from walking that way and give your life back to God. Yeah. That's what that means. It's, and then well, it's things e- it's will easy. change from there. It's easy. Like you talked about words like repentance and the conversations that we have with people who aren't Christians, we inevitably end up being drawn into conversations that go in the direction of morality and ethics that don't actually make any sense to people you know, biblical morality no, they, and ethics it make no sense to people if they don't share the the same a, framework. A we've talked about framework worldview, yeah. Yeah. and we've we've talked about that. Yeah, and so that mismatch creates a real source of of tension. And I think same as what we said last time, even about apologetics, is when we're having those having conversations, we're we're, we're trying to rationalise with people about some particular issue in their mind that they've built up. Yeah. So you know, take something like sexuality. You know, they're convinced in their own worldview that there's nothing wrong with, you know, mm. say how they're living their life. And so you as a Christian, they see you as coming to present an alternative view. Mm. So therefore you get drawn into a conversation of defending your version of how we should behave sexually versus their version. Yeah. And you get down into those real kind of detailed sort of like issues, hot button issues of mm. the day. But really, the discussion needs to be drawn back to the worldview. They're good hooks, but we don't want to say necessarily camp there. That's mm. not where we want to have the, yeah. the discussions because we can paint a different picture of what a worldview or what life yeah. It is like, not from a moral perspective, but what does it look like inside God? And that and that means then drawing in, well, who is God? And what's mm. his love for us? And the fact that it's the only way that life can actually ever be truly sacred mm, and yeah. have real value. And so you can have these kinds of discussions where you're setting up a new framework mm. that actually becomes attractive to people. Yeah. But you just pointing the finger and telling them that this is what I think and I'm right and you're, and you're wrong, wrong yeah. is never going to be a, a healthy... Can I just say, though, I feel like sometimes even if you're not doing that, and I think we feel it as well as Christians when we have a perspective, we feel like they're judging us when they disagree with us. So, you know, as you said in your example around mm. the way a person's living their sexuality, you want to pre- present an alternative view. They don't see it as an alternative view. They see it as you judging how they're living yeah. a, a lot of the time, I would say. And and I and I feel that's part of our society, our culture today is very much, I tell you what's right for you and, well, and what's wrong for yeah, you, exactly. as opposed to this ability to actually just, let's just explore the different perspectives mm-hmm. here, you know. Um, and and this, is, this is why I think personalizing it helps to just avoid that, because I, th- I do think we need to do the best that we can to avoid any sense that we're that we're judging, judging. people yeah. uh, outside the church, uh, and it's it's interesting. There's in First Corinthians, there's you know when, when Paul is discussing you know issues. I think the context is around discussing issues of. Uh, I think you've got it there. Yeah, Stu. I have. It's in one Corinthians um, chapter five, verse twelve. The verse yeah. reads, "For what have I to do with judging outsiders?" So I think this is where they were asking Paul to kind of. Uh, essentially point the finger at the people yeah. out there who are doing all these things wrong. And, and Paul says, what have I to do with judging outsiders? It's not those in, it's Is it not? I think it's... Is it is it not those, yeah, those inside yeah, the church? In, that's right. Correct. And so, you know, because we hold this commitment, mm-hmm. there's a sense of mutual accountability that we have to each other to holding to what we believe. And, you know, and so Paul is saying, look, they don't even really share our, our fundamental beliefs. So we have no, there's, you know, there's a, there's a bigger picture it's not those, about judgment. Yeah, for that's those right. Guys. It's not about judgment for those people. And you know, I think, uh, as you said, Connell, like we've got to be careful not to get embedded too much in the hot button issues, but to move from those to the central mm. message and uh, and and to do that in a very personalized way. And I think, therefore, I would even say that all of those issues are actually great opportunities to go from that to because they all. Yep. They're only symptoms. Yeah, they're they're only symptoms of, yeah. of the issue. So I think we can take any hot button issue and and fairly quickly move inside that uh, individual yeah. issue in a very personalized way. Yeah. 
to actually get to the core of why this is so important. So, you know, as I said, with the sexuality thing, to talk about the sacredness and who we are as children of God. And and, I mean, there's a great opportunity to talk about our witness and and Mm. knowing God as Father and being reconciled with God Mm. and so forth. Even when you say personalise, I kind of think, too, that that's a hook back into this idea that how we're all standing before God, it's all of us have this problem. Yeah. And sexuality is an interesting one because I think it actually is one of those things that affects us personally because if we're not same-sex attracted, we find that to be so unnatural and difficult to understand. It's really really hard for – we feel it like as if Mm. that's – it's something that we we just can't understand that mm. at all. So it it kind of affects us in a way, a personal personal way. So, so beyond an intellectual way is what you're saying. Mm. Is yeah, that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. And and so there's an emotional mm. reaction to that. And that can cause us then to go, well, it's it's such an offense to God to lead your mm. life that way. And as soon as I think we start to take that position, we inevitably end up elevating ourselves to go as if we might as well just say it you know thank god we're not like that and when i recognize any of that within myself of where i'm sort of thinking oh they are so bad because i'm not talking about sexuality specifically but i'm talking about anything i look at people and go oh they're Mm. so bad it's like hang on a minute am i just actually standing up before god going thank goodness I'm not like that. Like and, the, the the parable of the Pharisee Pharisees. and the tax collector I, and in Luke 18, yeah. Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this Pharisee. It is. I'm oh, sorry, it, this tax collector here. Now, when I start to think about it like that, I start to feel like a Pharisee. Yeah. And then when I start to think, am I actually putting myself, it lining up with who the Pharisees were? And then when I look at who Jesus was, he was standing, the multitudes following him around were the sinners and mm. leading him. Yeah morally deprived lives and, and 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 they were attracted to Jesus and the the real scorn of that Jesus had the real harsh words were for the Pharisees because whilst they held the the moral law mm. and sure were morally upright at yeah. least in terms of compliance yeah. with the law they were presenting a version of the kingdom of God mm. that was corrupt and so while Jesus had all those multitudes of people following him around, he wasn't dealing with their moral issues. Mm. He was painting a picture of the kingdom of God. I mean, yeah. the whole Sermon on the Mount yeah. was reframing people's perspectives. Yeah. It wasn't addressing issues and, and morality and, and, and uh, directly, but he was reframing mm. that this is the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God that you've lost because, you know, the Pharisees and religious rulers of the day were painting a version of the kingdom of God that nobody wanted anything yeah, really well, he, to he, do with. He even painted a picture of the law that went right to the heart that put everyone in the same boat in terms of moral failure, mm-hmm. really. So that was, you know, that was an important uh, framing, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. So I, I don't want to be, if I want to occupy that position as if, thank God, <clears throat> I'm not as bad as those people. I'm putting myself in that. When I look at in the New Testament and see how Jesus lived, I think how how Jesus lived his life and his ministry, it's a good model because it's not focused on on morality and ethics, but dealing with repainting a picture of the kingdom of God and who God is that people looked at and go, they were attracted to that. Yeah, they wanted that, and they hadn't seen it before. Yeah, so so our our witness, well, our testimony as witnesses is that we we all are sinners saved by grace. That's in summary. Mm-hmm. And I've found even as someone who preaches regularly that you know I make this decision. It's a very conscious decision, rather than because in a sense you're always calling people to repentance in one mm. form or another. You know, to let's not go here, but let's go here. And and so we're looking for that that shift, you know, don't go here, go here. And and the best way, rather than point the finger at people and say, you know, those of you who are here, you should stop and you should go here. I think 
you know, again, I personalize and I think, so when, whatever particular issue I'm talking about, you know, I try and think of the time when, often it's times, when I have realized that and and made that turn myself. And by sharing that, it puts me in the same, yeah. it puts me in the same. Yeah. There have been, you know, there are times when I've thought, oh man, I, I don't know if I want to really admit this. Yeah. Because, you, know? yep. you know, it's like in my pride of thought, I don't know if I want to admit that I, but actually it's far more, it's far more effective to personalize it. Yeah. It's yeah. not just, uh, and and I think in a way it brings down people's defenses because it's I'm not totally. just pointing the yep. finger at you yep. saying you need to come to where I'm. I'm actually it's sharing us. the fact that I I totally mm-hmm. I you know I I am the same as you. We, yep. I share yes. in all this dysfunction. And hey, this is what I've realised, and I've made this decision to 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 move this way. And I'm not still yeah. not perfect, mm-hmm. but I've made this decision. And so that testimonial way of speaking to those issues, I, I found it just. I, I feel like it it resonates yeah. so much more. It's so but much you're more revealing. I think. One of those kind of basic core truths of the kingdom of God, yeah, which is which, and the message of the gospel, which is we're all in the same predicament yeah. and same standing yeah. in terms of you know in yeah. our own selves. It's it, and and so where people have seen, and your church is guilty of this is making it a moral thing and not necessarily intentionally, but we get dragged into it. We get asked about it and our opinion on this and, and so on. So, and we can fall into the traps of trying of being drawn into those Mm. moral discussions. And then it gets seen as that that's what it's about. It's about that God is all about the moral sort of judge standing there pointing fingers and condemning and we're kind of his agents of you know dispensing mm. that and and that's the view that so many people have and want nothing to do with god because mm. of that but by putting ourselves in at the same level having that discussion with people saying look we all are even as christians we're all as bad as each each yeah. other yeah. you know we're calling you into a, a different view of of god a different worldview a, a different sort of paradigm i guess to, to kind of yeah. live life that because yeah. because we're, we're all in this together we want you to join us rather than us saying we're right and you're yeah. wrong yeah i would i would illustrate that as speaking from below rather than above yeah rather than speaking from above hey come up to yeah. where i am we're, we're actually we're adopting the real situation that that we're naturally in and 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 i guess by admitting to that ourselves yeah there's a sense of uh hey uh you know down here is the truth <laughs> mm, yeah you know just come and look down here because the you know what you're standing on isn't really real yeah. you know and yeah. and and so hey from down here it's it's very it's not hey from up here it's mm. hey from down here mm-hmm. that really is where we're witnessing as i said as sinners saved by grace mm. and and we're we're wanting people to realize that they are on shaky ground because we've discovered that yeah. and you know in the in the valley of humility that's where we find yeah. jesus you mm-hmm. know do you think that part of the challenge also for us is our tendency to sort of um grade sin i mean you were talking a bit about us all being in the same place and we, we were talking about sexuality and mm. you know at the end of the day sin is sin and whether it's you know i tried to minimize my tax and probably went a step too far mm. or whatever the deal might be that that may not be what we consider to be morally correct we tend to grade those things and go well that's not so bad but but for god sin is sin we're all this is the point everything about well, some, us is broken some you know? sin affects us yeah or seems morally Worse, but that's that's from our vantage point, correct? But God's looking at it from totally. a, a different. So, so things that are a big, yeah, or not, or we diminish. I think we diminish sin because it doesn't affect us. You know, what does it matter? You mean you cheat yeah. on your tax return? Yeah. You just get taking a little bit of extra money from the tax office. Mm. That's not as bad as going out and say, you know, murdering. Or if you Somewhat. look at Jesus and the woman, it's well, like who 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 has not committed the sin? Let them cast the yeah, first stone. L- let me uh, let me nuance that yeah, though, yeah, because the, the reason the reason we're all in the same boat actually is because there is a distinction between various moral acts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like some some acts are more morally reprehensible than other. We can't say that all moral all acts are bad. at the same no. level, but we're at the same level yes. because it's not 
uh, by virtue of the moral acts that we have that's right fallen into the into this state of guilt it's actually fundamentally because of a rejection yeah. of god mm. and any sin counts as a rejection, rejection of god. god this is yeah. the thing this, i mean this is what i mean from god's vantage point yeah it's all rejection mm. of god yeah yeah it's it's a it's a failure to to trust and to mm. you know walk in 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 sync with with god so uh, it's what's behind those moral behaviours that is the yeah. uh, equalising thing. That that is what puts us all in the same predicament. But yes, there there, there are you know there are absolutely there is a difference in in terms of the act of cheating on your tax return mm. is not as serious as murdering someone. Obviously, mm. uh, in, in 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 a moral sense, in a in a moral in a moral sense, yeah. Mm. Um, but it doesn't change us in the sight of God. We're all equally broken. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So. And and certainly in terms of, you know, that, that rejection of God, whether you do something small or great, right. yeah. uh, in terms of our standing with God, I mean, if I, if I jump gleefully off a cliff um, and die at the bottom, uh, or if I, you know, tentatively just crawl off the cliff, you know, somewhat reluctantly, I still fall off yes. the cliff, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so, yes, there is a distinction mm. between the actions and the way that I fall off the cliff, but but we all we all thereby fall into yeah. guilt and death but as a result. Because this is a this is a an obstacle that I hear a lot of you know people who are kind of standing outside the faith and sort of weighing it up and questioning things and going, but, you know, like they can't get their head around the fact that someone who has murdered someone can end up in heaven forgiven. and forgiven mm. by the grace of God. But somebody who's tried to live a good life for mm. most of the life and do the right thing ends up, you know, living eternity apart from mm. God. Yeah. They can't get their head around that concept, you know, and it sort of links in with that a bit. That's a big stumbling block. But I, I think there's because a the difference is just to jump. The difference mm, yeah. is, is whether you own that, you know, whether you own the, the core thing of I have, mm. uh, I have rejected God and accepted grace. That's the difference that, in a sense, obliterates the moral differences. Yeah. So, and that's where again it links into those core underlying basic truths of understanding grace you know the undeserved favor of god yeah and so and the fact that we've seen is ultimately just that rejection of god yeah exercising our own autonomy and all those sorts of things so all of those issues ultimately dial back kind of collapse back into those sort of fundamental problems and big picture things that really allows us the opportunity to reframe totally yeah, Re reframe who God. I was watching a um podcast uh, on YouTube with Bishop Robert. Yeah, he's Barron, great. Yeah, uh, Catholic uh, apologist, and watching him in an interview with a, a another atheist podcaster um, that I I watched quite a lot, and and quite often, you know, a lot of the interviews are not overly combative, but there's certainly a bit of you know tit for tat between mm. two sides because they'll often have Christians on mm. and there's a bit of, you know, there's a bit of tension as you're trying to work through issues. Lots of really good quality conversations. But watching um Bishop Barron deal yeah. with it and talk through the the with the interviewer, there was a sense of calmness yeah. and confidence mm. in his 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 message. So this atheist would come up and, and it, and it was very disarming, but he still brought up these kinds of ideas, you know, mm. how could God do this and how could God allow these people into heaven and, you know, and, and on their deathbed, they make a confession of faith and end up being saved and then the other, and, and so on, throwing up all these things. And it was really good because just listening to Bishop Barron actually mm. talk through and explain these things, really opening up a very clear picture of God's yeah. grace. And God's love mm. and God's plan for humanity. Yeah. Taking those hooks and and it's the clarity and the confidence and the conviction. Mm. It was so disarming that watching this other interviewer interview him, you could just tell that he was absorbing it because yeah, it yeah. was actually making sense. We weren't getting into all the details of prove this and prove that and, and so on, but there was an impact yeah. in, the, in what he was describing, what Bishop Barron was describing was so attractive. Yeah. 
isn't it isn't it true that that one of the key sort of tactics that you see and you see this from Genesis chapter three, you know when when Satan comes in and he he, he sows discord and confusion. It's a divide and conquer yeah. Yeah. technique. I'll just mm. I, I'm going to mix everything up and set and. Well, right at the start, did God really yeah, say? Yeah, that? that's right. Did God really say that? And confu- yeah. and and mm. and this is one of the things. In, in fact, I would say most of the arguments that, that I've heard from you know and people who are anti-Christian are based on in some way bad theology. It's they're they're essentially straw man arguments. They take a caricature of what we believe mm-hmm. and then they attack that. Yeah. And uh, and and one of the things that I feel the best. The best apologists do, uh, and and I think this is where uh, you know Bishop Barron is is great as an apologist, is to bring clarity. There's this yes. wonderful calm confidence mm. in the whole story and the big picture, mm. and and w- you know whereas the skeptic will want what about this and what about that and what about this and it's always the divide and conquer. And you notice they'll go from one thing to the other and they'll throw in red herring arguments, which is bringing up something that's not relevant to the issue, but just as a bit of a throw a bit of bad almost. taste yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I I find the best apologists use good theology. Yes. They they really understand the big picture and they just calmly yeah. go back to the big picture, you know, yeah. and and it's the big picture of of reality. It's the story of the Bible that we're a part of. This is where it gets back to this testimony because I'm a part of this story. The big story of reality that is incarnate in me because I have I I am in that story and yeah. I'm you know yeah. I've discovered that, and I think. I think that's a real, you know, understanding what you believe. We don't have to be, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. Uh, it's okay to say, look, I don't know, but there are some things that you do need to you know. Need to know yeah. And and you certainly need to give an account of why you live the life that you live. I think it's Peter that says, always be prepared to give an answer mm-hmm. uh, for your faith. N- not around theory, but an answer for how you choose to live your life. Why do you choose to live your life like that? Yeah. Uh, because we should live lives that are such that beg the question, uh, that beg the question, What? hang on, it's you're choosing to take a different trajectory, why? Mm-hmm. And to be able to have an answer for that, I think, is is really important. And I've noticed that the best apologists, they keep coming back to just good mm. understanding of the story of the Bible and theology and so forth. And I, I think that's that's kind of what we're, we're trying to, to yeah. say, you know, and getting to from that the last episode we did about apologetics Mm. and that problem that exists in apologetics is that, you know, there's the other side of apologetics, which is doctrine. And we don't have to defend doctrine. It's like, this is it. Mm. This is what we... And and watching, say, like that interview with Bishop Barron, he wasn't threatened in any sense that some curly question was going to be thrown up or some difficult... thing was going to be posed to him that he didn't have an answer for. He was just completely, supremely confident in his worldview and being able to explain it. And that gave all the answers that, you know, was needed. And so there was a real kind of sense of love came Mm. from him in that discussion of of compassion for the person interviewing them as well, that, I, you know, I want you to get a glimpse of how good the kingdom of God is. Yeah. You know? <laughs> which which raises a really good point, which you, you can pick this up because I'm reading a book at the moment and the, and the guy says to me, part of the problem for us is we try to argue these minuscule kind of, um, well, not minuscule, but these, these particular issue points all yeah. the time around our Christianity. But in fact, we've got to start from a place where the person we're trying to talk to actually wants it to be true. Mm-hmm. You know, if they don't want it to be true, we're wasting our time trying to argue on these issues. We've actually got to paint the picture where they hopefully can get to a place where they're going, gee, if only that was true. Otherwise, it, would, it would be worth actually recommending that, that book. Yeah, I'll put it on uh, the end of the Stu, podcast. Uh, that's yeah. um, Biblical, Biblical Critical Theory. Theory. I know it's got a fairly complex title, as I've been reading it at the moment. And I sort of, you know, feel like in, in a way the title feels a bit. Com- I, I understand what he's saying about the title because yeah. I understand what critical theory is. But if you don't, it is. It gets a little complex at points. I think, Stu. You, yes, that it was does. Probably your, your Chris resp- Watkins is the author. It, it, certainly have a look it up. But I, I found it actually easier. I started reading the book, and man, I had to go back and read 
big chunks again yeah. and again and again. Just, but I, I actually found it easier to understand listening to the audio book. So it okay. is on Audible yeah. if people want to grab a copy of yeah. that. And biblical. you can let things let yeah. things go the over your head. But it's it's actually just one Christianity Today awarded it their yeah. their book of the year, and and it's very good. It's a book that focuses on the big picture biblical story, yeah, and and the implications of that. And it makes comments on so you know various issues in our time yeah. in the light of that. So it's been very it's it's been highly um, acclaimed mm. uh, book, uh, and yeah, I no, recommend that. But that's right. We mm. we need to, you know, we need to paint a vision for people of a life outside of just debates, and yeah. we we want to open a window for people. And this is where, just let me sound a bit of a caution here too, because I, I I think that watching debates between Christians and atheists. And and yes, I, I know that, you know, um, Robert Barron's a great example, I think, of someone who does that well. And I know I know many others, but there's something artificial about that circumstance because they're set up debates. And we've just got to be careful going on and watching debates. That's kind of not it's not the real kind Point. of situation yeah. that we that we will find ourselves yeah. in. You know, it'll be sitting next to someone at a wedding and and mm. you know talking, having a conversation, getting onto faith stuff, and maybe asking them. You know, which is I I will always ask people what they think. Yeah. That's I, I, but I will never tell someone what I think without asking them. You know, so do you have any you know church background or mm-hmm. you know what do you think about uh, what do you think about all that. Mm. I think you said in a previous podcast, you worded this really well, begin by seeking understanding before trying to be understood. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And and they're, they're the kind of situations. And so, you know, rather than a, a debate, right, we're here to have a debate. Mm-hmm. I, I actually don't really want to have a debate. No, debates. Are, well, yeah. this interview wasn't a debate. It was a discussion. Oh, right. Okay. It was yeah. A, yeah. But I think part of the, I, I, it's good to watch those things. And I, I kind of hear what you're saying as well there, Matt. I think part of the challenge there is that, if we don't know it ourselves, we tend to end up pulling little bits of points that these people yeah, make out yeah. and then trying to throw them in our conversations over here. And then when something comes back and we really don't know the answer, yeah. now we're, we're just in a mess. Yeah, you we, know, in, so. in, in fact, the whole thing becomes more confusing than, than it already yeah. was. And and that's where, you know, coming in with that unified, that big just, picture. you know, something big picture. And again, we are the connection point for that because I, I really... I really want to prevent people from thinking, well, that's okay for you, Matt. You know, you're, you, you know, you can articulate all that. You get that. But what about me? I've only been a Christian for, you know, a yeah. year or two. I'm still coming to understand. No, no, you, you have a first, you have a first account witness. Mm-hmm. And so there is something that you have to share. Yeah. And it's okay to say, well, I'm, you know, I'm still on the journey. I don't know about that, but, mm. but we are the windows to this reality. Yeah. yeah. And, and so we can be confident in that. You can be unconfident. When you're looking at, um, say, dealing with apologetics and trying to offer up answers to all these Mm. things and rationalize and intellectually go head to head with another person, you've got good reason to feel on, uh, you know, and some there is a place for that, I think. But we can be confident, we should be confident. We're probably not confident when we should be confident. Yeah, that's a good on, point. Yeah. yeah, on our on our worldview and our doctrine, and this is what in I that get. calm sense that you that you I like your comment yes. about about uh, Robert Barron, the way that he's just can't, he's very relaxed he's, in. He's got nothing to win com- or yeah, lose. Yeah. This is just what he he understands, yeah. and he, he just outlines the vision. That's the sort of confidence. Yeah. That's the what yeah. we it's need. It's not a cockiness. No, no that's right. Yeah. No, no, there's no. There was nothing. It was just this is what I. This is what I believe. Yeah. You know, and and he can paint. He just paints the picture. Yeah. And so, what I want to be able to do is learn how to paint that picture better. So when I talk about grace or God's love, or the or the problem and the predicament that we're in as a humanity, yeah, I want to do that better mm. and clearer. Yeah. And I think that's a good place to invest mm. my time yeah, totally. rather than winning arguments. Arguments but will go on for, forever. Yeah. I think all and that's something all of us can do as Christians and we should be doing is understanding how to tell the story, mm. tell the narrative, unpack some of those theological ideas yeah. that le- with clarity and yeah. get better and better and better at it. Totally. And and I, I want to keep moving here because there's a couple of other key sort of counter points mm. that I want to bring here. But I think the point you're making, and it, it, you know, if we look at even culture today, you look at any organizations or businesses, they never start with the rules or the, or the, the, the values even, they start with the vision. 
Mm-hmm. So to employees to get them motivated about what we're about, it always starts with the big picture, and then it comes down to how do we communicate the big picture. Mm. But I do want to come back to you know Matt, you made the comment again in a previous podcast that we can use the same material to either build bridges or to build, build walls, mm. and that's kind of the conversation where we've gone mm. so far, and we've talked about being respectful. But you know there are you know the the gospel message is polarizing. You know it, there are some things that. Mm. That we need to, in a sense, stand for. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's not like we can just project it's all okay and love, love, love. You know, sometimes we actually have to 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 stay stand our ground about what mm. we think is true f- for us. Yeah. I think we talked a bit about a scripture earlier on where yeah. Jesus in Matthew ten verses thirty four to thirty six he says, "Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth." I've not come to bring peace, but a sword, for I've come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and one's foes will be members of one's own household. <laughs> Talk about a blunt, you know, mm. a blunt hit man. That's a, yeah. he, he had, a, you know, these sayings of Jesus, were, man, they were attention-grabbing sayings, because you think, what is he, yeah. isn't peace there? But yeah. Isn't this the, because of course he says elsewhere, you know, about like being people of peace and, yeah. and all of yeah. this sort of thing. Well, he puts the ear back on the Roman guard after. Yeah, that's right. You know, you know so. Well, if so, I heard. Jesus say that, I'd think, oh, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. You know, because, I mean, and what he's saying is that you are going to have a polarizing effect. Like yep. to be light, when light shines, the, the shadows get darker. Mm-hmm. It polarizes things. And so um, this is, this will, you will find yourself in conflict with people because your way of life will be confronting for them. And then we know, as a, you know, that, that this happens very much that, you know, there are families that, that, experience big great ruptures because someone adopts faith now it's very important though that because again this gets some people because they're belligerent and uh and abrasive in the way that they or or, or because you know they're perhaps peddling certain opinions within their christian faith. all the things we've just talked about really. yeah they, they're and, all that yep. you know and because of their manner mm. they fall out of relationship with parents or yep. siblings or and but you but don't be claiming that as persecution mm. oh i'm being persecuted for my faith you're not mm. being persecuted for your faith mm. you're being persecuted for being belligerent you know mm. like and an for idiot, judging basically yeah. and potentially for judging yeah that's right people. so yeah. so we could just be slow in claiming that mm. you know that yep. circumstance and yet what jesus is saying is that there's an inevitability that this is going to bring about polar it's going to stir up things right mm-hmm. and and people you know may even be hostile now we've got to do everything that we can to avoid unnecessary conflict and there's a great model for this actually in in the book of acts in acts 20 uh, in acts chapter 20 it's when Paul is on his way back to Jerusalem and all the way he's he receives these prophecies starting in in with the Ephesian elders and they he he says to them, I've you know, that the Holy Spirit has told me that up ahead I'm I'm gonna experience um imprisonment yeah. and persecution and all this sort of stuff, right? And they say, Well, don't go back to Jerusalem, right? Mm. And he said, No, no, I'm this gonna is Paul yeah, we're talking this, about. That's right, Paul. This mm. is I'm going to keep going, right? Yeah. And you know, and all along the way he's he receives these prophecies. You as when you go back to Jerusalem, people are gonna come against you, you're gonna experience persecution. But and he knows that's inevitable, but he doesn't avoid it, right? No. He keeps going. He is who he is, his message is what his message is, mm. and he goes in there. But it's interesting when he gets there, he goes through this right because James says to him, Look, there's this rumor about you. And of course, as Christians, lots of rumors about us that are not true, mm. uh, that you, you know, discarded the law of Moses. And, 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 you know, I mean, there was a nuanced element of truth, uh, to, to that, but it was largely wrong. So Paul participates in this ceremony, a Jewish uh, purification ceremony. That for him, you know, he didn't think that that sort of thing was necessary anymore. But he goes through that to go out of his way yeah. to avoid unnecessary conflict, conflict yeah. right? Yeah. Because he thinks, look, uh, you know, and so this is the and you know, Paul says that's in the building bridges. That's right. That's the building bridges in one Corinthians nine. He says, "I've become all men." All things to all men. To those under the law, I've become like one under the law, right? Mm. Uh, and, you know, as an example of that, when they, he and Timothy are going into a Jewish area and he says to Timothy, listen, let's just avoid problems here. Uh, you're going to get circumcised. Yep. Man, that's a big thing. Yep. Like, what a length to go to, mm. to avoid unnecessary conflict mm-hmm. uh, and tension. You know, so so you see, on the one hand, there's an inevitability. And, and Paul, man, I mean, he talk about suffering uh, opposition and persecution, uh, but he just 
kept going, yeah. you know, just true to his message. And yet we also see a man who was doing everything he can to avoid that. And I think that's a wonderful mm. that's a wonderful example for us. You know, mm. some people that 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 almost love just stirring up the opposition. You know what I mean? And and Yeah, but where's that coming from? Because there's a whole lot of that's that comes from we think and this, I guess this is where it comes back to be clearer what our mission is. Because I think we take on lots of extra missions that yeah, feeds yeah, our right. own yeah. own emotions or our politics uh, or opinions or, <laughs> or belonging to a, yeah. a tr- our tribe, identifying with it, or mm. or just reinforcing our our ignorance or mm. our own insecurities. There's a whole we 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 do get we do take what we think. Well, the, there is the mission that God has for us, but then we we turn our own little missions in where we think it's about. As if we have to fix the problems in yeah. the world. We have to turn people around morally. Yeah. Mm. If only we can elect this political leader, mm. you know, they'll, might be. they'll yeah, fix, win this argument. They'll, so forth. they'll yeah. fix this the the problem. If only this yeah. party was in power. If only if only you'd listen to me mm. about yeah. what's wrong, you know. And there's this thing that sort of rises up, and that's not the mission. And, and it puts not, it it you know it it alienates them from other people and 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 there's a certain kind of uh you know abrasiveness to that you know and and i think some people kind of wear that as a badge yeah, yeah. i'm standing up for the truth and 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 now i'm being persecuted and as that if you're representing god himself the, yeah as if you're actually holding god's i'm not saying even don't go for things that you believe in we have political ideas and we think there are solutions to, but don't confuse that as if that's that's the mission that god has for you, yeah, and this and it certainly isn't. You know, it's it's not within you know the biblical example. I think that we have in Acts in in Paul is that he 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 really does. You see him going out of his way to avoid unnecessary conflict. However, I would say that's not the most common problem. You know, mm. I, I don't think there are probably many people listening to this for whom that no. you know like kind of abrasively you know like bullhorning the truth in people's faces and. And then claiming persecution when people reject. I think the more common thing is that people just are avoidance. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, that go the other way. Well, mm. I'm not just, I'm just not going to talk about my faith at all because it's so, uh, so controversial and people don't like Christians and, and. Well, can I say, or I just don't know enough about how to present the doctrine yeah. of what I believe. And like, so it's just going to kind of give up before, yeah. it, you know, and not talk about things at all. And I think, I think that's probably the more common problem. I feel like in the current environment, uh, all of these hot button issues and the perception about Christianity has got people locking themselves, mm. you know, behind closed doors in their faith. They've got, as Jesus said, they put a cover over the light. Yeah. Like, I'm just not going to. And sometimes people justify that in terms of, oh, well, I don't want to be a mean person, and I just want to. I'll just love people, and I'll just be a. I'll just be a nice person because hey, everyone likes a nice person, right? Yeah. Everyone likes someone that's nice. So I'll just be a nice person. They think that that you know uh, that, and of course, of course, we should. Yeah. But there are there is a a sense in which we are also confronting as as in in our faith that well, there's a confronting just be, element just because to that. of who we are and yeah, who and we represent. The Bible warns that that's yeah. we're, we're it's opposed. The world system is opposed right. to, to to God. So. That's right, and we should not, you know, we should not hide that. But I think the main thing, and 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 perhaps we can, uh, unless there was anything else that you wanted to uh, throw in here, Stu. No, no, wrap up in a minute. I do. I just want to come back a couple of things because I think one of the biggest challenges, you know, where yep. people are, in a sense, we're talking about hiding it under a bushel. I actually think probably, and, and you know, this has been true for me over the years as well. It's because we. We might know what we believe, but we don't really know why we believe it. And I yeah, think it's really right, yeah. important that we invest the time in understanding why we believe what we believe, because we're in multi-generational Christian yeah. families now, yeah. where things are just passed down. Yeah. And, well, that's just what I've always been told. You know, it's like, mm. well, it's really important if, as the world becomes more polarized, that we understand why. There are a couple of good books. I was just trying to look up who wrote them. I think it's a guy called Paul Little who wrote two books called Know What You Believe and then a follow-up called Know Why You Believe It. Right, and, yeah. and I reckon they're two really important little books yeah. to have a read of because I think that's a, also a, a significant part of why people tend to shrink back. Yeah, mm. that in fact, you know, as a uh, as a 
pastor. I mean, my heart actually even behind the conversations that we've had through this whole worldview Mm. series has actually been to equip people to understand the nature of the different reality frameworks that we're working with here and helping, uh, you know, helping our listeners to understand why we believe some of those things Mm. uh, that we believe. But certainly, as I've said, I say this in my classes at, uh, at, you know, at the college that the best apologetic is good theology. Yeah. Best apologetic is good theology. So absolutely know what you believe and why you do. Mm. And I think that that's really important in terms of a practical step. You know, we shouldn't just say, "Oh, I'm not, I'm not a teachy sort of, I'm, and I don't." Because I mean, there's a lot of people that that really yes. don't read anymore, and I, and that's and that's fine. I'm not saying you have to, because there are lots of other ways which where you can access really good teaching. And I and and I think you know you could ask your you know your pastors about some say uh, podcasts or uh, or resources that you can use and listen to or watch. There are lots of different ways. I just I don't think we have. We're on mission and we need to equip ourselves for that yeah. mission. And I think an important thing there is that people use the argument, well, I'm not the evangelist. Hang yeah. on. There's a difference between being on mission and being yeah. an evangelist. Yeah. We are all on mission. That's right. Yeah, it's yeah that's right. And there, there's a there's like the gift of faith, but yes. we all have to have faith, you yes. know, and, and there's a sense in which we're all called to be an evangelistic presence totally. and to represent. And, and, I, and I, the thing that I would bring it back to, uh, again, to come back to this point that we've m- mentioned, you know, is this understand that we are witnesses and there is an un- something unfolding and it's real, right? It's real, which means that God is at work mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit is always the first one on the scene. Any conversation that we have is always preempted by the Holy Spirit. And some, you know, I mean, sometimes the Holy Spirit st- stirs things up and polarizes things. Sometimes people reject. But we've got to trust in the fact that God is already at work in that situation. And sometimes we can assume, oh, people won't be interested in that. No, no. There is not only this emptiness and hunger, because this is real, right? This is real. That's a pretty big advantage that we have. And God is also, on top of that, is really at work in people's lives. And I've been amazed and often rebuked by the fact that I thought that such and such would never be interested, and yet all along they were. Uh, And we just need to trust, be open about our faith. Just be open, be honest about your faith, be willing to pull up the the roller doors and all those protect and just be open about it. But then to trust that God is already at work. He wants to reveal the truth to that person even more than you do. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Thrive Perspectives. Our hope is that these discussions will challenge you to look at life from a new perspective. You'll find all our resources at the Thrive Today website, thrivetoday.tv. If there's a topic that you'd like us to discuss, please email us. Our email is contact at thrivetoday.tv. Until next time, our prayer is that you will thrive. Thrive.